Welcome to another episode of... Everyone is a fanatic. Skeletons in the attic. My name is Brent and this is Patrick. Our show is overly dramatic. Our show is overly dramatic. Yeah. All right. Three months since the death of George Floyd, man. Three months. Three months. And another disturbing video of a black man getting shot by the police. See, at first I thought you were going to say three months we've been doing the podcast. Now it's going to be like, woo! Yeah. Oh, yes. Okay, death. That was our first episode. That was like literally a topic on the first episode. And yeah, three months we've been doing this podcast. That's great, but I'm pissed off right now. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's one of the reasons we started the podcast. Yeah. To be able to talk about these things. Absolutely. Yeah. Seven, seven shots. Seven in the back in front of took, his kids, man. Took seven. I don't know. Um, don't cops learn how to aim in their academy? How about just one? How about none? But yeah, if it was, if you absolutely friggin' had to. Yeah. One should do it. So he's from a town called Kenosha, Wisconsin. Well, everybody knows that now. Yeah. I can't watch the video, man. I can't watch the freaking video. No. Meanwhile, there's a shooter who goes and opens fire at the protesters. He's white. He's age 17. He's carrying an automatic rifle, walks right past the police. Like, not only, not only the police, but like armored cars. Like, like militarized police. He's walking past going, hey. Yeah. Hey. People are like, that's your shooter. That's the guy. Yeah. With, so the, the double standard for how they treat black people is just, it's just disgusting, man. The, uh, he's, he's bobbing that like substitute dick of his, that AR-15 or whatever yep. it is. It's swinging like a guitar on the guy. Yeah. And the cops are just like, you know, strolling past him. It was, Where were the parents? Where were his parents? Like, don't you see your kid leaving the house? He has a semi-automatic rifle around his neck. Don't you ask a question? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, where are the parents? That's uh, that's the eternal question. You know, I mean, I, it's a whole generational thing. You know, there, there's a certain generation of kids that just have, they've never had any consequences. They've lived their entire lives with no consequences whatsoever. Yeah. Do better, yeah. America. Do better. And that one dude screaming, medic, I need a medic. You're not playing Call of Duty, man. Yeah. Like, you're, you're not playing PUBG. And this is real life. Absolutely. And kill people. Yes. Like, that one clip, the guy, I mean, frankly, the guy's trying to disarm him. That's yeah. the wrong thing to do. Mm. But that one guy, you saw him stumble, fall. He was one of the fatalities. Yeah. Just before, just before he shot the guy in the arm. Yeah. The yeah. Guy, that yeah. one guy that fell. Like, how... How are, I mean, it's, it, it, it begs a million questions, but why aren't these high-powered weapons just available to people? Well, that's, they're you talking know. about putting in gun laws, but they're talking about the gun laws is like, okay, let's put them through these steps and let's make it more complex, but they still haven't decided to like put a ban on the semi-automatic rifles, right? Like right. People can just go into a movie theater and just shoot up the whole place. Yeah. Or a grade school, you know? It's ridiculous, man. Do better, America. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, so the NBA players boycotted games yesterday. Mm-hmm. I think, I think they needed to, man. It's like there's a lot of black players in the NBA. 
Certainly my mental health was affected and I'm not even living there. How can you want to play sports when you don't feel safe? And certainly people in your family or in your circle are not feeling safe to go outside. So sports don't even matter right now. It's irrelevant. No, when the, when the soul of your nation is lying in state, you know, I don't know if sports are the best things. I mean, yeah, you don't, you don't live there, but you drive a vehicle with three little kids in the back. Yes, I do. So you can friggin' identify with Absolutely. that. Absolutely. That terror. Yeah. So. Man, it sucks, man. It sucks to be black in America. It really does. It's very, very frustrating. You know? no, I'm happy though. NHL actually, they didn't, they didn't take a stance on that day, but okay. today they decided to cancel their playoff games too. So, and they actually had up on the scoreboard and racism. Cool. That's cool, man. I respect that. It's just well, so you'd think after George Floyd and the worldwide impact it had and all of the sort of the tributaries that came out of that after the fact, You'd think the cops would have had a memo or something like, don't be trigger, you know, at least for a while, don't be trigger happy. Yeah. Just like, keep it in your pants. And yeah. Yet, you know, this happens, you know, no. just a few months later. Yeah. Exact same situation. Luckily That's he's alive. Right. Paralyzed at the moment, but he's alive. Right. I feel horrible for this guy, man. Kids. I, gotta, I gotta salute the guy. He takes seven. Yeah. I, I think uh, I think Fiddy's got nothing on him. Well, he's he got to start a rap career for sure. Seven After bullets that. in the back, and he's still and he's still uh, he's still kicking. Man, that's a story. That's one of those. You know what? Like it's 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 one of those things like like Hannity and Tucker Carlson, like Fox people, Toxic Forty, Toronto Sun. Mm -hmm. They say things like, "Why are you resisting? Why don't you just do what the police tell you?" Yeah. George Floyd was doing what the police told him. <laughs> exactly. You know? And that guy, remember that guy? I mean, I don't want to get into a whole of, remember that one clip? We all see a thousand clips a day. You just, one goes into the other. That dude in the hotel room, he was a white guy, but it's not relevant. I want to talk yeah. about it. That dude laying down in the, hotel, in the hotel hallway, and the cop is screaming at him saying, if you don't listen to me, I will shoot you. Do you understand? I will shoot you. Yeah. He's like, put your hands behind your back. Slow down. Don't you move your hands. Put your hands up in the air. Put your hands up. It's like, <clears throat> so they yeah. shot the guy because he, he did the wrong fucking Simon Says. Right, yes. The cops are yelling at him, you know. Mm. So, no, I think I'm not, in, I'm not in for banning the police. I understand the police have a tough job, but your job will get easier if you do it better. Yep. I'm not anti-police either. Right. I, I, I feel like there, there's definitely better training that needs to happen. And systemically, America is in a mess right now. I'm anti-bullet hole. Yeah. Uh, anyway, let's yeah. change the subject. All right, then. Let's have some fun. I did some comedy. Uh, I had a show Tuesday night. Right, yeah. Yeah, man. You, you headlined the women of comedy. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I got three daughters, man. I could definitely do that. For sure. Yeah. For That's sure. Cool. Uh, no, man, I got a lot of good compliments from the, from the set. I had a, I had a fire set, you know, I'm going home. I'm feeling like Dave Chappelle. Sure. I was on fire, man. But then, okay. you know, you get, you get too egotistical, right? So I had to like, I had to calm myself down, man. I, I, I went out the next day and I just looked myself in the mirror. I'm just like, you suck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just you gotta remind yourself, man. Keep working, keep working so at it because 
this ego trip could like mess you up, right? Your next set could totally suck. So you got to go in real humble. I understand. Yeah, I understand you in spirit, but I don't ever work on anything. (laughs) So did did both members of the audience laugh? Yeah, (laughs) no, man. It was like there's like 15 people in there. It was it was spaced out. So they had little tables. They had like five tables all spaced out. So it is fairly safe, I would say, for if you want to go out and have some fun with friends and stuff. Some of the clubs are taking the right precautions. Yeah, yeah. That's cool. What about you, man? What do you do this week? Um, not much. I, I've been, I've been in, in talks with a friend to do a, a music gig next week, but I'll talk, okay. more, talk more cool. about that once it's more affirmed. But, uh, no, I'm just working. Like I haven't, I don't get the, um, I, I my job wasn't affected cause I work online. I teach Asia, England. Yeah. My night job were affected cause comedy and music, but my day job is still status quo. Yes. But it's just, it's getting boring cause they're all locked down. So luckily this is typhoon season in Korea. Okay. Now, most people, you know, think about that with terror. I think about that. I'm rather buoyant because that gives us something to talk about. Oh, everybody in your classes. Yeah. They're all like, Hey, how's it going? Yeah. Oh, it's windy. It's windy. <laughs> you know? it's like, Hell's a popping, man. Good. Tell me about the wind. Yeah. Which well, direction and how much, how much force is the wind blowing at? Exactly. Yes. <laughs> Please give me a give me a, a d- description of the raindrops. Anything? Oh yeah. Because they've good, been so they've been so shut down and beat down, and that's a that's an economic culture that tends to have um, sort of their employees a little demoralized a lot. Right. Just work, work, work all day. So you know, lately it's been hey hey how's it going? What's new? Yeah. Okay. You know. Wow. Like, oh, dude, I already speak English. I don't need to learn. <laughs> So with natural disasters looming throughout Korea, the conversation has been excellent. Oh, good. Yeah. Good. <laughs> they're, get, they're getting all sorts of directional measures and everything, right? The wind is blowing at a speed of 25 kilometers northwesterly. Indeed. Yeah. And, and they are able to, uh, they can do that. They can do the GPS. Very good. They're all fluent. It's just the, yeah, uh, it's just the free talking. It's just the, they need talking practice. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The language itself. Mm. Speaking of talking practice, I noticed there was a word that you edited out last week. A word I said. I have no idea what it was. Hey, man. I wonder. It, I don't know. I'm not going <laughs> to. I'm not going to. I'm not going to go there right now. <laughs> perhaps, perhaps our viewers can type in the comments. Right. Yeah. What word could it be? Hmm. I think that would have been. Is Brent against members of the LGBTQ community or not? <laughs> it was. Uh, Oh, well, yeah, but you kind of gave it away. Yeah, okay. Whatever. Great mystery. But uh, um, what else is going on? You, got a, you like swimming in lakes? Yeah. You do, eh? Well enough. When I was a little kid, I used to all the time. No, My grandparents dark, murky tiny. water. What's that? The dark, murky water doesn't scare you? It does now. Like, okay. I, I, I don't like it now. But, yeah, like, the lakes and rivers, and all, you know, the leeches... The, uh, leeches the, the mafia murder victims all that stuff. right at the bottom i'm not a fan but no when i was a little kid my parents used or my grandparents had a cottage they used to put those big orange 70s life jackets on me yes I'd tie a rope and just push me out okay I'd tie that rope to the dock so i would just i didn't get any real interaction with wildlife okay because that would have freaked me out but yeah. to this day i have nightmares about like seaweed and black absolutely it's so bad yeah. So we went up to French River. That's like almost sure. three hours north. Right. And I'm I'm like 
training. You know, I can, <laughs> I can swim. I can swim um, long distances. I can go for like 1,500 meters or whatever. So I go for like half hour swims and stuff. But like lake water is scary, man. Especially yeah. when it's a new lake. You don't know. And it's darker yeah. than you yeah, usually yeah. swimming. Anyway, so I asked a girl, like, how is this lake? Is it safe? She's like, yeah, I've been swimming here since I was a kid, you know? And the only thing I've ever seen is a snapping turtle once or twice. I'm like, okay, I can deal with turtles. I can swim <laughs> faster than a turtle. Right. So I go in the water. This is my first time going in the water. And I'm swimming. And I swear on my life, I see a water snake just gliding <laughs> along the water. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you ever see a snake in the water, dude? How s- I was freaked out, man. Yeah, it's, it defies physics in a way. I just, I just start paddling and busting <laughs> my butt to get back to shore. Man, I turned into Michael Phelps. I never made it back to shore that fast, dude. Like, it was, <laughs> it was scary. Right. And then I go ask my wife, I'm like, so what about these water snakes? Are they even poisonous? She's like, nope. <laughs> just keep swimming, bud. <laughs> yeah. Well, they always say, oh, they're more scared of you than you are of them. Yeah. I'd take that bet. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. I'm not going out like that. You know what's my worst fear? Is dying and having a headline of dying the way that I didn't want to die. You know? It's <laughs> right. like, black man dies in lake. <laughs> no. No, I'm not going out like that. I don't want to die. <laughs> I don't want to be a bad heck. Heart attack by seeing a water snake. Something like that. I don't want to be that headline. Right. No, thank you. No, yeah. We're not going out like that. You want to go out in a blaze of glory. Hell yeah. Not like pruned up and shivering. Hell yeah. Yeah. All right. So we're going to start the... We got we got one special segment. Um, so if you're watching on YouTube, you'll see that edited in. We're going to put the special talking politics segment at the end of this episode. Check out the full extended version. This is about a 40-minute interview with former Green Party member Eric Shulman. So check it out at the end of this episode. Right now. Otherwise, we're going to start with our first Canadian topic, which is Brent. All righty. So yeah. where, where are we? So, yeah. Now, this is actually, obviously, like, we talk about a lot of the same themes mm-hmm. because there are certain themes that are affecting every human on earth right now. Yeah. So this one, it's, it's about the, um, it's about the, the, the projection of a large swath of our local restaurants throughout Canada going bankrupt by the end oh. of this. So there's some, there's some gold comedy for you. Hey. Um, restaurant owners issued a stark warning to federal policymakers on Wednesday saying that more than half of all Canadian eateries could go out of business in the next three months as the pandemic continues to discourage people from dining out. Now, Restaurants Canada, they're a lobby group. They represent like 30,000 entities. Um, it's, been, it's been meeting federal officials and calling for a range of supports for the food service sector, which has been clobbered by COVID-19 lockdowns. The lobby group, it's calling for an extension of the Canada emergency wage subsidy. It's also calling on the Trudeau government to shift its tone when addressing the Canadian public by encouraging people to return to their normal lives rather than focusing solely on health risks. Um, The industry will be under 
particular stress in the coming months as colder temperature begins and patios close down. So Canadians have slowly begun to return to restaurants with social distancing, like you, you did a gig the other night, stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. Um, but businesses are still operating way below capacity, obviously. And the government's making them operate below capacity. Mm. Um, I'm going to try to do this quick. I, I, like to grab, I like to grab the whole article just yeah, in case yeah. I miss key things. But a survey released on Thursday found 29% of food service business can't operate under social distancing guidelines, mm. while another 31% will only be able to keep their doors open for another 90 days at most. In other words, up to 60% of the industry could fall within three months, the survey indicates. If we don't ask for support, or if there is a second wave, there's going to be massive bankruptcies across the country, they say. Um, so this is, a, this is a massive predicament. Are these yes. safety measures, the, the, the safety measures, are they, they worth killing our economy and sinking independent restaurants, leaving us left with only Tim Hortons and McDonald's? Or are the people who want standalone restaurants to survive being overly dramatic? That's a really good question again, man. It's you know, tough in every way. It is. I feel really bad for the restaurant businesses. Really yeah. bad. Yeah. Because the government stance is pretty clear. They're just like, it is what it is. Yep. Deal. It is what it is. This is how we're handling COVID. Mm -hmm. This is how we're handling it. So either you adapt your business model or you go under. I'm sorry. I'm not helping you anymore. Right. I don't know, man. It's so hard. It's tough to make a profit, though, if you're a restaurant and you have to enforce social distancing guidelines and only half of your place could be full ever. Yeah. yeah you can't. Yeah. You cannot. You can't survive. Yeah. I mean, you'll get your food faster, but I mean, it's, it's not helping their business. Um, and it's sad because we see some of the numbers, right? Like 800,000 jobs are lost since COVID. Yeah. 800,000 all across Canada. For, for a country of 30 something million, that's a massive. That number. is a, yeah. Yeah. That definitely elevates the unemployment rate. Yeah. Yeah. So what's your, I would say, I would say right to your federal government, but wait, <laughs> break. Yeah. So don't do that. Yeah. And like you mentioned this before, the COVID rules for restaurants don't make any sense. No, they don't. We're going with your mask and then they're like, take your mask off. Sorry, when did I pass the COVID test? Right, right. It makes no sense. You can't eat with a mask. You can't drink with a mask. No. Is it effective to keep doing this? No. Not every night. <laughs> Have you been to any restaurants in the in town lately? Um, I've been to to one or two um, sit in places, but right. no, not 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 a huge amount because uh, I don't have any money. But yeah, okay. it's, like I, I've seen like there are some patios, but the patios are going to be closed soon enough. Soon when it gets colder, yeah. What about what about your places? The places that you like are they just shut or are they just doing half capacity? Uh, yeah. So there's there's a lot more room in King City. Richmond sure. Hill area. So a lot of them have patios, the places that I like to eat at. Right. Um, so we'll, we'll do the patio thing, but you know, the, we walk in, you have to wear a mask, you walk in and they take you outside and you take off your mask. So don't make any sense. And then some of the, some of the servers are like wearing um, like plexiglass just around the mouth area. 
Right. So that's still not helping if you're indoors. So they're walking around like a sneeze guard. Up. Yeah, like a small sneeze guard up top. You seen these type of uh, protective devices? Maybe not. I don't think so. Okay, so it just covers like the nose and mouth. Okay. But still, if you're indoors, all the air particles are still spreading. So it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. I guess they're working outside most of the night. So I don't know. I expect better from our authorities by now. Yeah. Like it's been six months and essentially you can understand the initial reaction by saying everybody locked down, everybody, everything down to zero. You can understand it's not well thought out and there's terrible foresight, but you can understand the initial six months later, you got to have a better plan. Yeah. It's completely ridiculous. And I I agree Now there's not many lobby groups that I agree with unless you're (laughs) people, but I agree with the idea that the government and the officials have basically played up all the fear. Be scared. Be scared. Don't, they don't talk about immune systems. They don't talk. There's been nothing about how to stay healthy in your home. There's been no diet tips. Everybody's watching Netflix and getting Uber Eats. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, like McDonald's, Burger King, Pizza Pizza, they're all going to be fine. They don't right. need the, the, the subsidies. But like the government is saying nothing about health. Even saying something like, well, you know, if you're 20 years old and you've got a strong immune system, maybe this doesn't really, they're not, it's like everybody shut down. Yeah. yeah. It's just, yeah. They're just assuming like people are still going to be in contact with. Right. No, I get that. Target population. They need to balance it. They need to balance it with talking to people about being healthy and they need to balance it by talking something about the economy. Yeah. Something about people's jobs. Because even if you avoid COVID-19 by staying locked in your house with a mask on, fact is you're going to die anyway because the economy is going to crash. You're going to have no job. Yeah. You know, crime is going to rise. Mm-hmm. And it's just going to be... As it has already in some countries. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so man. Some of, some of my favorite spots have closed down. They used to have the 120 Diner. Oh, they yeah. used to have some really good comedy shows, man. Right. Friday shows, comedy kapow, gone. Right, yeah. You ever ate at Crocodile Rock in Toronto? Uh, probably not. The okay. tackiest multi-floor restaurant in the city. <laughs> is that, is that like a they had like crocodiles on the floor and crocodiles all over the walls. Is that gone. like a Jack Astor's kind of thing? Uh, Kind of, yeah. Okay. Kind of. Hmm. But they always had these lineups, man. Just a bunch of hot girls in the lineup. Oh, <laughs> my, my 20s, gone. <laughs> what do you call that the pms crowd the uh oh god <laughs> the peel peel mississauga scarborough crowd the bridge something, and tunnel crowd something like that man right. but they're like they, people were lined up around the corner to be at this place man to yeah. eat at crocodile rock they had some good I music there too. rock was young <laughs> me and patrick had so much fun there you go yeah but if if the governments won't help restaurants should they put money into other streams though like, are you going to help invest maybe in Uber Eats or maybe some cooking classes for people? If you're going to diversify the food business, is that a thing? Subsidize, subsidize local produce farming and stuff like that. Very good idea. Yeah, Very good would... idea. Because yeah. Uber, Eats, Uber Eats is just like Harvey's. And, you know. No, they're just, yeah, you can get from any restaurant though. Any, any yeah. local. I, I, do, I do get some local stuff. That's good. But yeah, they take a they take a huge chunk of their yeah. pay though. Yeah. Like, 
Yeah, I know. See, that's the other tough thing. So even though people might be getting the products they want, they don't understand how people are still suffering. Yeah. So their hours have expanded, but their pay is cut. Yeah. So now they're working twice as much for the same money. Yep. Stuff like that. So no, it's a, it's a no win situation and we all have to bear it out. But I just wish that the government had any level of government had any kind of foresight, any kind of planning, Mm -hmm. but it's all just ostrich in the sand right now. And that's part of what people are getting mad at is just because they can't, they don't know what to do because everything they do, they're told they're wrong. Right. Ostrich in the sand. That's the, that's the title of my next topic. Uh, we're moving on, man. Um, so the conservative party has a new leader. If you guys didn't know, uh, it's nobody we guessed in the last couple of weeks. I I thought it would have been a Mulroney, to be honest. (laughs) I wanted to see Canadian history back to back father, son, prime ministers. That would have been cool. Right. Not going to happen. So you're probably asking yourself, which tool is stepping into the spotlight? Aaron O'Toole. Aaron O'Toole is stepping into the spotlight, guys. No, he's not down for climate change. He's not. But he is down for taking a stance against China. Like Trump, he doesn't want to do business with telecom communication giant Huawei. And he has ideas on how we can get our two Canadians back who are still currently in Chinese prisons for alleged espionage. He also wants to defund the police. No, sorry, I read that wrong. I meant defund the CBC. <laughs> the CBC, bud? The network we're trying to get our show on? I'm not impressed. <laughs> what's, what's his LGBTQ following look like? We don't know. Because he is pro-choice, but he is for choice. So the question then, does O'Toole have the tools, and I'm using air quotes here, to lead the PC party to victory in the coming years? Or are his detractors being overly dramatic? Um, he, uh, he looks like some kind of like crudely done mannequins or like a ventriloquist dummy or something. Uh, yeah, he, had, he, he just has a generic face. Like if you say rich white guy, that's him. He looks like, he looks like the singer from April Wine. Only now, not in their heyday. Right. I don't, okay, first of all, with all due respect, like, I, I really hate it when people that I politically disagree with are Irish. <laughs> it just bugs me. It's like, why can't his name be like, you know, Gookenflukin or something? <laughs> but his, you know, his his name is Aaron O'Toole, but yes. basically means Ireland O'Toole. I, yep. My name is Jew Israel. Like it isn't, it's, it's, it's like the most, it's the most Irish. It's like a, it's like a cowboy villain or something. Oh, yeah. prisoner in O'Toole's ranch. Yeah. But, yeah. You know, he just, he, and also it's more of a girl's name. I'm sorry, man. It's more of a girl's name. <sighs> Aaron is, is in that spelling. Yeah. Girl's name. So I don't know what I'm, where I'm going with this. No, no, I'm, I'm away from that one. <laughs> any name, we're 2020 now. You can have any name he wants, man. Oh, yeah, that's fine. Yeah. But, you know, Aaron O'Toole, it just, it just sounds yeah. like, it sounds like a stripper from Boston or something. Sure. But I don't like, um, I don't, I have no idea. I assume he's going to want to do all the things that all Tory leaders want to do, which is right. the same crap. But this whole, when he had said, what's his tagline? Like, let's take Canada back. Oh, that was, yeah. 
a call to take Canada back, to take back Canada, our country, a call to take back Canada. It's written on his website. Did he have like a, like a, like a committee meeting where they said we're going through taglines and they said like, Hmm, I don't think that's douchey enough. We need, we need something that makes us look like pricks. What I, actually, I was looking up on the internet to see if they actually hired the same campaign manager as Trump has. <laughs> right. It's, it's just like, he's, he's, he's starting to sound a little bit too much like Trump to me. Yeah. You know? Well, I mean, I don't, uh, I don't disagree with a lot of his China stance. I don't think he's going to be able to accomplish it. No. Because once the green starts rolling in, the Tories tend to roll over. Um, wasn't Harper trying to like totally sell the, the, the tar sands to well, these interests? Yeah. I don't know the answer to that one, but I will say I read his platform on his website. Okay. First paragraph, the word prosperity is mentioned. Second paragraph, the word prosperity is mentioned. Right. Third paragraph, the word prosperous is mentioned. So we know what your party is about. We know what your stance is about. If it's about money yeah. and making money, you're not going to take any cutbacks, right? Oh, yeah, obviously. Yeah. yeah. So it's clear. No, it's, clear it's, it's clear where you stand. Standard Tory boilerplate, you know. They think people want to hear that. Maybe some people do. I mean, some people do. They want to they make sure, yeah, the, balancing the economy and so forth is it's important. But, yeah, wherever your ethics lie, See, but what, what fundamentally bothers me about conservatives, I mean, culturally, they're usually pretty backward, but you can, yeah, I don't really care about that. They're, if they're going to be behind, then they're, they're behind. But economically, what really bothers me is that the, the tried and failed stuff over and over again, but they say things like, well, a country should be run like a business. If you run a business, you have a deficit, you close down. Mm. But a country is not a business. No. A country is a fabric of people who live together. A country is a culture. A country is a, is a collective society, not just a business. Because when they say in that blind way, like, oh, it's just, it's a business, you know, trim the fat. <laughs> the fat are kids in libraries. You know, the fat that you want to trim are, you know, like kids' lunches mm. in poor neighborhoods. Yep. It's, swimming, it's swimming pools for urban children. Yes. You know, it's subsidies for single mothers. It's, yep. uh, getting rid of rent controls for you know you got a single mother with three kids yeah maybe she makes 1200 bucks a month but her rent's 14 you know yeah. so it's like the, so it doesn't help the poor people the immigrants everybody else who's not in the upper yeah. upper middle class upper, yeah, upper, upper middle exactly and even so first of all their stuff never works it has never ever ever worked and yet they still keep touting the same the same song all the time but no, it's uh, society is not a business. A society has a human element that needs to be addressed by the leaders that we elect. Yeah, but there's there's some parts of his platform I agree with. I, okay. I just don't, I don't see how it can be so business minded, which is hard for me to swallow. Right. The defund the CBC part got me though, man. Oh yeah. You gonna take away Shit's Creek? <laughs> You know, take away Kim's convenience just for laughs. This hour has 22 minutes. The grassy. Right. This is my life, man. <laughs> <laughs> what would your life be with Brent without Anne of Green Gables? Uh, it, I, 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 <laughs> you, I, I don't, I don't even want to ponder that. Are you kidding me? I would have to actually move to PEI. 
and uh, and just you know camp outside that house. Oh god! I was in Trinidad when I watched that show. Uh, yeah. so I grew up in Trinidad, and I, I, that show came to our country. And I was like, man, this white girl has a really large yard. <laughs> <laughs> See, and that that was an excellent brochure for Canada to all the people in the Caribbean. All the man, she's she's running all over the place. It's all green. Yep, man. That's the life. There's a lot of good shows that came out on CBC. You can't take that away. You can't make that private. What are you doing? Red Green. Remember the Red Green show, Brent? Was that CBC? I thought that, that was, was on CBC. Oh, okay. CBC produced show. Yeah. You have this dude. He just got high before coming on here. Are you gonna you gonna take that away from us? What's right. wrong with you? I think I think he's. Uh, I don't. I don't 100 percent disagree. Um, with that, I think that it should be a, a PPP, a private public partnership, um, okay. kind of like CTV is, um, yeah. that sort of thing. Because I mean, Corner Gas didn't need public money to run; it was one of the biggest shows in Canada. Okay. But, no, I think he's basing his model on the anger people have at the BBC in England. Mm. I think the whole Brexit fight and all the fights they have, and the fact that BB, the BBC has basically become an arm of the Labour Party, okay, and you know, doing nothing but. Uh, trashing conservatives and working class people even though conservatives and working class people have to pay for the bbc right being told they're a piece of shit um day after day after day i think i think he's basing that but the cbc is not quite like that i mean they're they're ultra left wing in their editorial policies okay um but i don't think they're quite as bad as the bbc and i don't think that they take as much of our tax money so if it ain't if it ain't broken why do you have to fix it yeah so. And that's a that's a big part of our culture, man. You can't don't don't mess with that, please. Yeah, what are you gonna? Where's Hockey Night in Canada gonna go? Yeah, podcast. Nobody watches. That. <laughs> All right, on to you, bud. All right, so this one, <laughs> this one, this is weird, and I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna try to try to do this with humor and care. Mm-hmm. Because it is really friggin' weird. This was out of CBC Windsor. Um, so the headline was, air, air quotes, dead woman found to be breathing at Detroit funeral home. So a, a lawyer for, for this, this woman's family. And I, again, I'm trying to be respectful. I'm not. Absolutely. Um, it's just such a whacked out story. A lawyer for the woman's family said that she opened her eyes just as she was about to be embalmed. So, this can happen to any of us. You know? Absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I want. I just want to be. She had. Um, she had cerebral palsy, so there was a, a contributing factor to her catatonic state. Because basically, this young woman, um, she was declared dead at her suburban Detroit home. Um, I'm just gonna try to scroll through this. They. Uh, her lawyer says they would have begun draining her blood, to be very, very frank about it. A medical crew was summoned to a home last Sunday where a 20-year-old woman was unresponsive. And this is in the Detroit suburbs. Paramedics tried to revive her for 30 minutes and consulted an emergency room doctor, the department said. The doctor pronounced the patient deceased based upon medical information provided from the scene, the department said. But then came a startling discovery at the James H. Cole Funeral Home in Detroit. The woman was still alive more than an hour later. 
Our staff confirmed she was breathing and called an emergency medical crew, the, the funeral home said. The woman is identified as Tamisha Beauchamp. Now she did, um, she does have uh, cerebral palsy and this was just one of those freakish things that apparently there was a seizure. Um, but <laughs> so they were about to embalm her, which is most frightening. Had she not had her eyes open, the funeral home unzipping the body bag, literally, that's what happened to Tamisha and seeing her alive with her eyes open. So it's a kind of a disjointed quote there. Um, so Southfield, I guess the region, said it's conducting an internal investigation, but insisted that the fire and police departments followed procedures. So is the woman who woke up as soon as they were about to drain her blood being <laughs> overly dramatic? Oh, man. All right. This is, this is, is, it's a good story in the sense, okay, they didn't. They didn't drain somebody's fluids who was still alive. Right. Um, so it's, it's kind of a rescue story in a sense, but she was in a body bag for two hours. Yeah. So that's like surviving at its, <laughs> at its highest format. Like the deepest wells of, of human resilience. Yeah. She was in a body bag, man. She survived that. So that's pretty yeah. impressive. I guess there's no reason to have air holes in body bags, right? No, yeah. no. How would you feel if you were the one who's like about to drain what you think is a corpse (laughs) and then it's screaming at you? I'd quit my job right on the spot, Brent. (laughs) I would would at least ask for a raise. (laughs) (laughs) Right on the spot. Give me a raise or I'm out of here. Something, man. And by a raise, I mean like triple. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's just could you like who is it scarier for? The, the actual person who's, uh, you know, about to be embalmed yeah. or the, the, the person, yeah, she's, you know, just imagine like the eyes opening. Yeah. And so her name, her name is Tamisha Beauchamp. So right. I, have a really, I have a really tasteless thing to say about Detroit and American police. Okay. So now they're too lazy to actually just kill black people. Now they just declare them dead. You know? Yeah. Well, that was part of the thing too. What, that's why the family got a lawyer. Yeah. Um, said, oh, well, according to procedure, she's dead. Mm-hmm. Oh, did you feel her heartbeat? Did you check her breath? Like, well, what that's, that's what the, the godmother is arguing. I read, I read a few articles. So the godmother, who's a nurse, right. um, was saying that she had a faint pulse. She had a faint pulse. Hmm. Paramedics are saying she had no vital signs. The godmother saying she had a faint pulse. Right. So are, is there some sort of bias when it comes to paramedics, yeah. people who are supposed to be emergency helpers on the scene? Yeah. You know? know. It's like, well, well she, uh, she's dead enough for us. That's fine. Right. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's, a, that's what the lawyers are going to argue, right? Like, I, I personally think, you know, if, if you're in the line of duty of saving people and you see all these sorts of gruesome stuff all the time, yeah. I don't think race is a factor. I don't. Yeah. Not for paramedics, maybe for cops. It's clear that this, yeah. Is, yeah. <laughs> this is how they police in the States. But I just, I, I couldn't, I couldn't understand, but then you read more and you find out, okay, she has the ventilator uh, that she was using and she has cerebral palsy. So it's possible they made a mistake. So they're on, they're on leave at the moment while they investigate. Right. Because mm-hmm. apparently they did the, they, they called it at the home. Right. But it said in the article that I read, it said like, oh, and they consulted, you know, the, the county coroner 
What do you mean you consulted? You texted them? <laughs> she's she not moving. Oh, she dead. This is regular. Yeah. What the hell do you mean you consulted? Like if you think that if, if you're a, like an EMS worker and hey, they work hard, they get underpaid. They absolutely do. They're the heroes of us. And frankly, they're probably, they're, I, I assume that there are people of color working in those fields as well. Sure, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. But it's just, so I don't know if it's a racial thing, but it just seems funny. They're like, oh, so it happens to be a black, what did you think she was a crackhead? 20 mm. year old? Eh, right. Dead enough. You're not, you're not kind of dead. You know, you're dead or you're not. That's so, right. Yeah. I was just, it's, but this is surprisingly, as you read on, this is not the first time this has happened. This is like a third time. To that woman? No, third time, yeah. like in, yeah. in the last 20 years or so. Yeah. Where somebody has been declared dead on the scene and then yeah. they're not dead. Yeah. And so that's, that's one of my worst nightmares. The yeah. Twilight Zone used to do episodes about that. Right. So there's gonna, you, you're going to have a headline one day. You know, you waking up at a funeral home just like, I'm not dead yet, guys. <laughs> yeah. My, 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 my never drying font of Seinfeld references. Remember when Kramer was thrown into the East River? Because the uh, his girlfriend, he was kissing her and he, he passed out because he was mm -hmm. so tired. He decided he was only going to sleep for like five minutes at a time. So he's making out with his girlfriend. He passes out. So her, her Goomba brothers throw him in the East River. And he wakes up. I woke up. <laughs> wake up in the river. So it happens. Oh, uh, yeah, for sure, man. This is not even, yeah. it's not the biggest screw up at work ever. So I was reading on BuzzFeed. Okay. You know. What else? Yeah, I'll just give you like a couple examples. Medical provider goes in and asks a patient, do you ever experience swelling in your legs? And then he looks down at the patient and realizes it's a double amputee. <laughs> Horrible. <laughs> Horrible. So that's a big screw up. <laughs> yeah. Another one. Another one. This one is kind of funny. Okay. Working in fast food. The guy's on break, he goes into the back, there's cameras in the back, and he can see that his co-worker is getting held at gunpoint. So he goes, I could have hidden there or even called the police. But I, I decided if the robber found me, he'd be mad I was hiding. So I walked right back outside and I was just like, hey. Jeez. He goes into the robbery. Wow. Yeah. Oh so screw-ups happen at work. Luckily, this, this one was not... Uh, fatal right. right people have lost their lives at work unfortunately yeah. i mm -hmm. hope that this uh i hope uh tamisha beauchamp i hope she lives to be like 110 yeah absolutely it's a happy life with her family it's like it's like those people who get attacked by sharks and live they must yeah. have no patience for other people's anecdotes no, <laughs> no. <laughs> oh you won't believe what happened to me yeah actually i will <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Hey man, you got a song for us this week? Well, I do and I don't. Okay. Because um, I, um, I tend to do things at the last minute, but I actually didn't really have a last minute. All right. Now, I know that I tend to rag out on Alberta a lot. <laughs> Your favorite province. And I have no reason to. Um, except everything they say and everything they do. But, no, when I was a kid, I loved the Oilers, right? So, Gretzky. Yeah. So I'm trying to think of a tribute to Alberta. 
if I get stuck, you'll have to throw at me anything you can think of from that okay. problem. I heard Mr. Barkley talking about us. I heard old Brent put us down. I hope Brent Barkley will remember. A wild rose man don't need him around anyhow. Sweet home Alberta. With a boat, Tory Blue. Sweet home Alberta. Don't give a damn about me and you. Tell me true. We got Brokeback Mountain. What's that? Brokeback Mountain. <laughs> nice, yeah. <laughs> a lot of westerns, actually. That's where they film Brokeback Mountain. Them two boys had some fun. Sure did. One of them died, and the other was very, very sad about it. In real life, in the movie, too, actually. Sweet home, Alberta. Where the boat tore blue. Sweet home, Alberta. Well, they'll welcome me, but maybe not you and the newbies, too. <laughs> Jason Kenny is their premier. And they've had Preston Manning and Stockwell Day. Stephen Harper had his seat there. I see a pattern emerging, much to my dismay. <laughs> Sweet home, Alberta. Where they vote Tory Blue. Sweet home, Alberta. Where they love me and you from Ontario. Hey. Jason Kenny hates Justin. Cause he won't tax cut the rich. They think the oil underneath them put there because they deserve it one load of shit sweet home alberta i actually like alberta i've been through there many times yeah me too sweet home alberta yeah where they vote tory blue calgary they got a stampede yes lots of pancakes and cows in Edmonton, they got some cool stuff, too. The mall. I just can't think of anything right now. Oh, yeah, the mall. <laughs> West Edmonton has a mall, yeah. It's really big and full of stores. And a water park. And a water park, but it's all closed for COVID. So you can't shop there anymore. Sorry, dear. Ah, Sweet home, Alberta. Sweet home Alberta. Sweet home Alberta. Where they love me. Tory Blue. Nice, man. Pulled that out of my arse. Nice, man. It was good. It was oh, good. Thanks. Yeah. Totally riffing on the spot. Yeah. If you're not, I mean, once we get our tour booked, you know. It's coming. It's coming. And. That's a that's a good point because we have a show coming up. Oh yes. September. 
another comedy and king part two i think i think people just started paying attention comedy and king part two man september 20th all right you guys come on out roost cafe we'll get we'll get some uh more info about this show coming up soon but it will be it'll be a late after early afternoon show one one to about three it's a sunday right sunday sunday nothing like comedy in the middle of the day brent well absolutely (laughs) well you know nothing nothing ruins your weekend like a midday uh comedy session oh man masturbation oh dude Go to church and then hit the hit the cafe to hear That's about right. oh. We'll we'll do our best. We'll do our best. So how long are we doing this? Uh, this is our twelfth episode. This is episode twelve, man. We'll just keep going. Let's keep going. Three months. Three Let's months. Keep going. We're gonna keep one a week. One a week. Yeah. Till the people have zero views. <laughs> <laughs> well, so we can make that. You know. Uh, we're gonna- yeah. 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 Um, this one plug quick for our show. So it's overly dramatic podcast. Follow us on Instagram. It's really cool. We put little clips from the show and we keep you up to date on what's going on. So if you don't know what's going on in the news this week, check us out. We'll, we'll give you a funny little tidbit of what happened. Final thoughts, man. Final thoughts. Me or you? Yeah, you can go first. Um, I don't know. It's hard. You know, I mean, we get the polar extremes are either don't pay attention to the news at all, or you just watch the news all day. I say, take moderation. One thing I do say, don't just watch the news that feeds your biases. Try to do a broad section of taking in the news because there's always different perspectives that you won't see. They're not allowed to see. Sometimes you'll feel like you need to take a shower after, Mm -hmm. after you watch some of it. But I try to just get a, get a broad range of political perspective mm-hmm. in the daily news so I'd, I'd recommend that to people nice yeah you, you're watching too much of the republican national convention i see this is why you're saying this i, I, <laughs> I watched the lip my liberal reaction <laughs> the, the one before was just as bad actually that's inter- you know sorry i just like you know interrupted yeah. like four times i won't get into it but yeah no the uh i'm sick of ragging on the left i think i gotta start aiming my sights more at the right again mm-hmm. so i don't want people to start thinking that because i hate woke that i'm, I'm not on the left i know i ain't no tim pool like oh you know i hate trump but i'm gonna vote for him no nothing no i don't like trump i don't like the republicans i don't like the conservatives that's who i am okay good i am gonna say it's nice doing live shows again um so if you are somebody who feels like they want to get out and feel safe for a night. I can tell you that some of these top venues out there, Comedy Bar for one, Absolute Comedy, they are actually doing a good job of uh, keeping the venue safe. So support these clubs, support the upcoming artists. Uh, go out, have some fun. It's nice to be out. Yeah. That's it, man. Nice. Yeah. has been overly dramatic this has been overly dramatic this has been overly dramatic thanks for watching guys don't forget to subscribe to the youtube channel share it with friends comment on the video like the videos all right see you next week here now is our full extended version of our interview with former Green Party member Eric Shoman.
You can also see our edited interview on the YouTube channel. Check out our link at Overly Dramatic Podcast on Instagram for access to the YouTube channel. <laughs> all right, so My this girl. next segment is called Talking Politics. All right, we actually tried to email Trudeau, but he wasn't available. I reached out to some other very prominent politician, but none of them wanted to be on the podcast, surprisingly. I don't know. Wow. Maybe it's Brent's fault, but uh, <laughs> we, have, <laughs> we have one former candidate from the Green Party who agreed to be on. I don't know why. So welcome to the program. This is Eric Showman, everybody. Right Happy to be here. Thanks a lot. Yes. Thanks, Patrick. Brent, nice to meet you. Cheers. Nice you too, man. Eric, what was your start in politics? Tell us a little bit about yourself. My start in politics. Um, well, I, uh, I joined the, uh, the Green Party shortly after. I, I lived in China um, for almost 10 years. And what I saw there was just the rapacious um, growth of economy at the, at the, at the expense of the, at the expense of the environment and the ecology and these types of things. Right. And, um, yeah, I saw then with the, with the spirit of competition to try to be able to handle, uh, the growth of the Chinese, uh, economy and try to be able to handle it there. Um, a lot of the attitudes towards our preservation of our, our of our own environmental spaces here, um, were, were, were like, well, there was tons of, you know, uh, for instance, if you compare just the Great Lakes um, in the 1970s to the way they are in the 1990s, they're so much cleaner. We put a lot of great legislation in to try to be able to protect it. And we saw that slipping away. Mm -hmm. And so it was my experience to see just the ecological devastation, just how vicious it was uh, coming home from China. And that's not my country, right? I mean, yeah. I was a guest there, as horrible as it was, but Canada is my country. And so I just didn't want to see that happen there. Um, and then I guess up in 2017-ish, I moved from the city uh, up to tiny Ontario. Okay. And, um, and uh, yeah, um, in the last election, um, I, uh, a member of the Green Party, I, I, I went and tried to find out who the candidate locally was. And as it turned out, um, it, was, it, it was a contested nomination. I actually moved into a place that has, well, I'm in the riding of Simcoe North. Okay. And it's, um, it's actually a very strong green riding, the, um, the uh, electoral district association that's there. Uh, we have collectively, you know, well over 100 members. Um, and so that's a volunteer base that we have. That's, that's huge, right? When I was in St. Paul, uh, in the riding of St. Paul here in Toronto, I think there were about 40 of us to give you an idea. So we were, we were massive in, 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 uh, in, in tiny. And then, so it was a contested nomination. Here's a fun bit. Um, <laughs> so there were two of us that were going through, uh, you guys loved uh, the wrestling back in the day. Absolutely. Yeah. You're familiar with Doink the Clown? <laughs> remember right. there were two doinks right there was that time when there were two doinks okay yeah the guy that i ran against for the nomination um was uh either the fourth or the fifth incarnation of doink the clown wow really? it's wow. true yeah he doesn't like us talking about it too much but no. uh yeah that's that's fair it's out there now so whatever. i would want to keep like maybe the second incarnation he'd be fine talking about it like, <laughs> fourth or fifth down the line i mean that we're getting into like menudo territory nobody cares anymore that's you know? right i would keep yeah. that skeleton in the closet for sure like the... <laughs> well, we had we had an interesting arrangement and it's very green in this way in terms yeah. of you know um collaborative working and uh, grassroots policy uh where um when, uh, as we were right, running against each other for the nomination, um, yeah. we made the deal that if he would win, then I would be his campaign manager. 
And if I win, then he would be my campaign manager. And um, the way that it worked out was just, um, it, it was great because, uh, you know, I, I teach communications at Seneca. So a lot of the stuff being able to stand in front of a crowd and send my message out and these types of things. Um, I think I was pretty good at that. Um, and then Matt, in terms of being able to organize events and put these things on and to mm -hmm. just get on the phone and, and, and just ride Rind. people. He, nice. he was fantastic. So it was, we were an awesome team, but that's basically how it happened. I won the nomination and then we uh, got into the election. Awesome. All right, Eric. In 2007, I was 25 years old. I was yeah. probably partying too much, probably drinking too much. Also, I had a lot less back pain back then. All right. <laughs> if you go back to 2007, what would you do differently? <laughs> um, let me see. Um, there's one thing that I might do differently is um, uh, partying and going out and uh, a particular pig roast at the Yacht Club that I just came from. Um, I probably might have refrained from tying somehow in a convoluted, strange way. I managed to tie that event to the cartoon controversy in Europe, and I managed to have, get my my uh, my uh, my candidacy torpedoed as a result. So you had it's your a, sorry, Brent. Go ahead. It was a stretch, but I get it. <laughs> <laughs> well. Yeah, I mean, my, my brothers, as we look at it, their biggest, you know, I mean, they get it. They know me. They know, I mean, <laughs> whoever went and dug through my social media didn't decide to, like, try to be able to find all the times that I wished all, uh, you know, uh, uh, um, Eid Mubarak and all these types of things. I grew up in Pakistan, mm -hmm. you know, most of the, you know, some of my family's best friends that we live in. But all of this sounds stupid, right? And, you know, that's what everybody says when they fall into these types of situations. But yep. according to my brothers, the biggest crime that I made was that that joke wasn't even funny. Yeah. I, I think Frankly, I think it was an inside job. I think you got boinked, actually. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Um, it, it got huge, right? I mean, it was all over the news it was. and everything. And um, uh, Rosie Barton even discussed it. Uh, if you want to check it out, it's up on the YouTube for the National on November 15th. Yeah. Uh, uh, no, September 15th of that year. And um, no, she had, uh, you know, her people on. Uh, you know, the, the, on the panel, and um, it was basically about the war room tactics. See, to get not too deep into the woods here, we did run an incredible campaign. We did no way doubt. better than we ever thought that we were doing. We peaked at 17.9%. Okay. And if we were to go, get over that 20% mark, then the media would have cascaded and stuff like that, and it would have just been snowballing. And um, at 179 where we were, what happened is we... Um, we, we, we were in a statistical tie for second place with the Liberals. Okay. And um, what that meant was that um, the seat was up for grabs. And um, the, the Liberal uh, in Rosie Barton's show there didn't deny that those are the tactics that they employ. For instance, to be able to find what it was from 2007. It's one of my very first, <laughs> one of my very first uh, Facebook, Facebook posts. Post. Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. That would have taken out, like, even when I knew it was there, it still took me 20 minutes to find it, right, when I when right. I went to go and look at it. So it was hours of searching and digging. And when they did find it, keep in mind, too, I don't know if you guys have actually looked at it. I did. It was buttressed with, um, you know, they, they compared it to uh, the way that the alt-right threatens people with uh, sending, uh, sending pork bits. Mm -hmm. um, and the alt-right wasn't going to exist 
for another eight years, right? Okay. Um, so that was a ridiculous uh, connection that was drawn, probably illegal, by the way. Okay. And um, and then also the, uh, the the other one that they did, and this one's brutal, was then they mentioned that there was a pig's head that was um, uh, delivered to the mosque in Quebec City um, where there was the shooting. So to tie my insensitive, stupid joke to mass murder is beyond, it's, it's just beyond any type of reasonable focus, right? And, and, that, and that's what it was done. What's and there's, there's, there's ten, tons of crazy information there. Yeah. They sent a pig's head to a mosque. Did, <laughs> no. did Johnny Fontaine get the part? <laughs> Sorry, to be clear, I never sent anything. Right. right? And it wasn't even like it was described as a threat. I mean, when oh, you look right. at the language that's there, it's in the past tense. It so wasn't even a don't come out in the past threat. tense. It was not a threat. It was just no. a silly joke. It was it, it was, was a silly joke. That. It was a really bad joke. Culturally insensitive, perhaps, and stuff, but I got a couple questions for you, Eric. Yeah, sure. Did, did you get any death threats from that post? Um, you know what? I, I didn't, um, okay. not clearly. Um, I got one, one post that came out and by the time, so, so I got one notification that I got a bunch of messages and this guy did look a little creepy. He had before COVID, there was no real reason for it. He had one of those things that were going down so that half of his face looked like a skeleton. Yeah. Um, and he, and whatever it was, um, it was deleted uh the, the two previous messages and then and then the last thing that was actually still there was like we will show you who we are and it's like okay okay so a little bit scary um, no yeah second, my follow-up question no i you know what well, that was what was interesting is um the twitterati and the people that attacked me did so in a public forum um it's my understanding that most of this type of cancel behavior is very performative nobody was actually interested in talking to me and figuring out what actually this was about so this was about showing it to the other people that were doing it mm -hmm. the only people who contacted me and there were hundreds were messages of support okay just talking about how ridiculous and stupid this was right okay uh did the republican party send you any money for the post <laughs> no, okay. no, but it was funny too where I thought about it where, um, <laughs> you know, in terms of my history for this, um, I was vetted uh, a few years ago by the, um, by the Secret Service. Oh, okay. Yeah, and I was actually asked about, okay, so I work for a company out of Boulder, Colorado. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I want to mention the company's name. Don't at this have point, to. But yeah. Oh, yeah. I was the, I was the, um, I mean, this is another reason why this is so ridiculous. I was the scholar in residence for Islamic studies in that organization. Okay. And we used to run a, um, a, a, a like a, an experiential education trip uh, through Central Asia. And right. so of course, then they need somebody that's going to be able to introduce uh, Islam in a, in, in a fair and, uh, and, and, and in an unbiased way. And my background, both academically and in terms of my, my, my life experience put me, I, made me ideal for that. And so when um, uh, Obama's daughter, um, Malia or Sasha? Uh, yeah, 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 uh, Malia. When she, she had nothing to do with my trip. Um, she ended up with our company going to Bolivia, oh, but wow. we were contacted by the company saying that the Secret Service, and they didn't tell us why, we were only allowed to tell everybody that uh, she went after after she got home, right, for obvious reasons, there yes. was security threat. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, yeah, I got a phone call from somebody in the, um, in the Secret Service, and uh, they asked me a whole bunch of questions 
about my Islamic associations, but of course, I think it was the opposite. I don't think that they were worried that I was an Islamophobe. I think that they were worried that I might be some kind of um, uh, fanatic. Like a jihadist? A jihadist, exactly. Right. Wow. They wanted to see what kind, what kind of people is this corp, is this company uh, employing? So uh, when they saw that I had that position there, uh, it wasn't a big surprise that they contacted me. Hmm. Got a... and, 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 and I spoke to him for like four minutes and answered okay. a few questions. And like, yeah, no, that's fine. Okay, see ya. All right, cool. Yeah. Question for you um, regarding the federal election for the Green Party. Um, are you the reason they lost? <laughs> um, I'm part of a, ah, Jesus. Because <laughs> if you were running for the Tories at the time, you'd be prime minister. You'd be prime <laughs> <laughs> Or the People's Party. Oh, yeah, with uh, Maxime Bernier, whatever his name yeah. is. Yeah. Um, uh, no, I am not the reason that they lost. But um, there were a, like we were we were we were slated to do much better than we did. I mean, okay. still, we went from one seat to three, so that's a three hundred percent increase. Okay. Right. That's statistics for you. Yes. That's a, good, <laughs> and, uh, that's a very good way to look at it. <laughs> And, but no, we were looking honestly, especially in the yeah. beginning when we were riding that green wave and PEI had just won the, uh, Her Majesty's official opposition okay. and things were looking great out in, 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 um, um, in BC. Uh, we were slated to like easily take home like 20 seats, right. but there were, without getting into too many details, a lot of really poor decisions that were made by the, uh, if I make a difference Campaign between managers. management and leadership yeah. in the party, management made some really poor decisions of which kicking me out and not allowing me back in after I was, um, th th there was uh, um, one of those things where people sign, what do they call those? Affidavit? <laughs> a check? Uh, no, 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 where <laughs> a bunch of people sign because they want you to do it. Something lawyer, something lawyerly. No, 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 just like, um, you know, like change.org. contract? Is the name of the... No, 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 no. Petition. Oh, a petition, thank you. Yes. Oh, okay. There was a petition started up by. By the my, way, Eric, um, I'm going to edit that part. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there was a petition that was started up by uh, by by um, uh, by by a bunch of my students at Seneca. Okay. Um, and I initially, when they asked me, like, should we do this? And my whole thing was like, I'm not interested. I was right. like so traumatized by the entire experience. You know, having thousands of strangers across the country say some of the horrible stuff that they said about me without knowing any of it yeah. and i was just sort of like no i'm i'm not really interested uh but then i was sort of like you know if if you google me it does yes. not look good right? it, does it does not, not no you have you have like a bunch of articles that yeah this is not you yeah. no that's no. not me. well do you and see then, so... i'm sorry, sorry. i was just i was just gonna say do you see yourself clawing back in mm -hmm. well um Very what's happened question. in what's happened in the well i'll just i'll, I'll answer that the, the the first question there first where um you know we it was it was m my students and all of them like that were that were in that situation they were all muslims uh -huh. and here's what's really really rough right i'll, I'll speak I, I won't name any of them um for for, for their own reasons but i will uh i, I want to point out where they came from and what they saw happening and so this is a little serious so one of them is an, an ahmadi muslim from pakistan 
Um, and um, so based on the current blasphemy laws, uh, their lives could be in danger at any moment, right? And there's very little repercussion that could happen. Although, um, to Pakistan's credit, there was uh, the Christian lady um, a few months ago who was, uh, uh, who's going to be charged under blasphemy laws. And then the, the court actually decided that she was innocent. And nothing like that has ever happened in the Islamic Republic of Pakistan before. Mm. Um, and then you have somebody from, who comes from Taliban Afghanistan. And then there's somebody else from the Islamic Republic of Iran. And so these three individuals probably would have been the main ones leading, leading, leading the charge on my behalf. And here's what they saw, which a lot of like the best well-meaning white liberals didn't see, was they saw um, a religious organization having um, undue influence into the democratic process which is what happened in their own countries, which was the reasons why they left. And that was freaking them out. And they were worried under those circumstances that, now I don't think that the organization that called me out qualifies necessarily in this way, right. but that's certainly how they saw it. Like they sat down, the conversation lasted two seconds, mm -hmm. right? When they sat down with a bunch of their classmates and tried to figure out, you know, okay, wait a minute. Is, if, 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 if showman is too Islamophobic for the, for the, for the Green Party, then how the hell is he not too Islamophobic to teach in a program at Seneca College where 30% of the students are Muslims? If this guy is a danger to, 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 to the Muslim population in this way, should not the organization that called me out also have requested or demanded uh, my, 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 uh, my firing? And the fact that the school didn't go there and the union supported me, the union was quite clear, even the dumb joke that you were at, and here's what's rough as well, right? This is when, when people, when they came out and defended me, the, the 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 language in the joke is so ambiguous right? right but what it says is the protesters of the muhammad cartoon right mm -hmm. and those would be fundamentalists the people like 200 people died globally as a result of what was going on and that thing right mm -hmm. and why i decided to weigh in on that i still don't understand but yeah anyway. you made a silly mistake from 2007 yeah, yeah. I can't uh, even. You're like, a, you're like an early prototype of cancel culture. Yes. <laughs> you're like the Noah of cancel culture. <laughs> yeah, not quite the Adam. Yeah, maybe, uh, but still Old Testament for sure. Well, oh, now me, we're going to get into trouble. <laughs> I want to I ask you a couple right. things, if you don't mind. Um, first off, so this was 2007. You were with the Green Party. Was it like a free I was not with the Green Party. 2007 was his post. Oh, oh, right. I'm sorry. Yes. So. But I assume that I was you only were... in, I, I, I only I, I returned from uh, from from um, from China in late 2008, and I joined the party shortly after that. So this the, the incident occurred 2012 and 2007. No, I know I know that that was 2007. I knew that, but the later the repercussions afterwards was that was just last year. Last year, okay. Sorry, my, my timeline got a bit mixed up there. That's but, all right. Uh, my my question as 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 a green uh, you know party member uh, past something like the uh, the extinction rebellion right is annoying the hell out of everybody part of the platform of the green parties? <laughs> no is, is turning the entire culture against your cause is that one of the main planks oh, in yeah. the green in the green party uh, <laughs> right um, I can certainly. I'm, I'm going to get in trouble for what okay, I'm about to say. Um, I, I can certainly sympathize with a lot of like, there, there's, there's, 
there's a lot of moral highfalutin and you have people with certain dietary practices and these types of things that were pushing it. And that was particularly strong in the city, right? When the writing that I was there so that I showed up to be honest, you know, I supported the party with my money and I showed up, excuse me, at the occasional like AGM and stuff like that. But I had very little to do with it because I myself with the stuff that you're talking about, totally put off in the exact same ways. Mm, so okay. I went in tiny, for instance, where I was, so I was doing stuff that would have been heretical for greens in, in Toronto. I would go, for instance, um, when um, the uh, local uh, hunter and angler association had their barbecue. Now these would all be, of course, traditional conservative voters. Ours is a conservative writing. Um, I show up there and it doesn't take long, right? And I'm just sitting there and I don't, you know, start like, hey, I'm the Green Party guy. I just sit down and I pay for my, I pay for my steak and my corn, right? And, uh, and I'm sitting and I'm eating with these guys and, and then, uh, and, and there were a couple of women there too. And uh, yeah, eventually they end up bitching about politics and they bitch about their local representatives who they're not particularly happy with and i'm like well you know don't vote for them and they're like what am i supposed to do vote liberal and that's like Ta-da! here i am <laughs> and then, so i had the chance to be able to do that but what it, it does make sense right because if you look from a from like a, a not a conservative but from a conservatory like a pr- pr- perspective you look at an organization like ducks unlimited and the amount of wetlands that they've been able to preserve across this continent is one of the most successful um, uh, preservation projects that we've had and this this was all done by hunters. Now, granted, it's because they want to have places to shoot ducks, but I'm too practical at the end of the day. Like, I'm not a hunter myself. I don't even, I, I certainly don't, I don't get down on anybody for that. If you're going to, if because you want to shoot a couple of mallards, we're going to save, you know, millions of acres of wetland, go for it, right? That's a price that I'm willing to pay, absolutely. And they've achieved, they've achieved these, these massive preservation goals without screaming at anybody. Yeah. You know, without telling everybody else how to live their lives, they just went and did it. Yeah. You know. No, so I do try to be able to distance myself from those types of uh, things that you're describing, Brent, as much as yeah. possible. Um, they don't do me and my writing any particular favor. And they, it, well, the opposite, of course. I have to spend a lot of time trying to be able to present myself as, as a reasonable and viable alternative. And uh, what's the, you know, the, the, what's the frustration the... and the anger is, is, is it's understandable and it's palatable, obviously. But I'm I'm trying to be able to actually accomplish things besides stopping people getting to work and pissing yeah, yeah. people off and these types of things. So that's yeah. not a direction that I take, and it's not really a, a, a course that I support. If um if federal if federal is not the route back for you just yet, what's the provincial presence of Green through the country? The provincial party is great. Um, so we've got uh, Mike Schreiner, that's uh that's that's out there in uh, Queens Park. Okay. And um, uh, yeah, I, I just, yeah, I'm just, I would talk about it being great by uh, talking in terms of the contrast with the federal party and, uh, and, and then, sure. And then, well, I, I'm not going to, because then it's just going to sound like sour well, grapes with regard to, uh, to, to the stuff that happened to me and the decisions that I talked about mm-hmm. where I was just one of part of several bad decisions that were made. Just one example, like Elizabeth May came out to our writing. Mm-hmm. Uh, for a few days and I hung out with her at breakfast we're like you know we're buddies actually um, and um, uh, you know actually that that's what's kind of interesting where th- this is the point um, the party has not acknowledged that they did wrong to me or to my writing in that kind of thing they have not acknowledged it on any stretch of the imagination 
Elizabeth May, in a public Zoom type of forum like this, actually publicly apologized to me for the way I was treated. Okay. Right. So there's, she, she, she was reasonable under those things. When she was speaking to um, uh, the Mulrooney guy, what's... Ben? On, on, Mark? On, on, ben. Mark? Ben. ben. Ben Mulrooney, yes, ben. thank you. Um, talk? Uh, yeah, talk? She, she only had really uh, nice things to say about me personally when, when, when because she... Uh, she was on the TV show with Ben Mulroney there and uh, was asked about um, about what happened with me right. and something with Nantel over in Quebec as well. So uh, Elizabeth May and I, we have no beef. I still consider her uh, a friend. I think she's, uh, I think she's um, an incredible parliamentarian. She's been a great yeah. leader for us. Um, but she, um, likes, uh, she likes to party, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was, you know, this is what, you know, as I mentioned before, um, uh, that, that I teach communication studies and that's, you know, that's where the conservatives love to like crap on her where it's like, Oh yeah, she, uh, you know, what's, you know, with the, with the drinking thing and stuff like that. So <laughs> I thought, you know, one of the ways that you might be able to go into that would be, we could have a whole segment where, you know, on the green party, you know, Facebook, social media thing, where just every once in a while, it's like a picture of Elizabeth May drinking something. <laughs> and the whole segment could be like, what's Elizabeth May drinking today? Mm -hmm. And, you know, maybe sometimes it could be a beer or something like that. Yeah. Most of the time, I imagine it's a latte. But instead, what came out was that goddamn Photoshop uh, thing with the, with the straw. Um, so that wasn't my uh, idea. I'm just going to say that. Yeah. A lot of things. Like, whoever was responsible for even doing that in the first place. And then that, that got leaked, right? That's embarrassing. Right, that was well, amateur hour over there. That was just so stupid. Who Googles Elizabeth May deep fake? That's my question. That's what I don't, that's what I don't yeah. Say. Well, I hope, you, I hope you get back in. You seem like a compelling guy that I yeah. think would be. Well, really here's the thing um, in the light of that, and um, so there were like it, 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 it ripped our, 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 um, uh, sorry, something just happened on my screen there. Sorry, yeah, um, go ahead. For uh, sorry, I'm trying to avoid using acronyms. So it ripped our writing association apart. Um, like we were, you know, there were people who were just so upset about what happened that like tons of people just walked away from the party mm -hmm. as a result. Because ultimately, uh, the decision to push me out and then to keep me out was the party's decision. And 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 you know there were tons of letters that were sent in and that petition signed in the in the, in the span of days like over 500 people signed and the vast majority of the muslims and it was just not a fight i guess that they wanted to have um and then so they made these choices based on political expediency and we pride ourselves as being you know the party that does politics differently mm -hmm. so that's like a power broker decision that's something that you could see the conservatives or the liberals doing because we don't want to touch it it's going to cost us too many votes and these types of things we always try to be able to say that we're going to do what's right regardless of how many votes that we're going to get and so this was really really heartbreaking for a lot of the people in the writing so in light of that and then there were things that shifted in the meantime i've been elected ceo of our of, of the writing association so i'm still i'm still there in the party i'm yeah. doing governance now rather than um than um, yeah rather than actual candidate cool Eric, I got a question. And, um, you know, we'll see. we'll see. I got a question for you. This will be yeah. our last question for the segment. Um, so I had to do like 80 pages of reading with the Green Party's platform. Okay. Um, you guys have like a perfect 
perfect vision for the world by the year 2030, you know? No poverty, zero hunger, gender equality, climate action. What's wrong with the status quo, Eric? Yeah, what, what is, you know, what do you guys well, have I mean, against coal? That it's so bad. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, we have to try along the way to, to be sensitive to uh, the status quo, to try to be able to take care of it. For instance, in my writing, Knocking on Doors, there, I met enough guys that were just even in my neighborhood who work in, uh, in Fort McMurray. Right. So what we have to try to be able to do is let them know that we're not anti you guys, right? Um, the, look, the, the, the price of the oil is bottoming out. Um, the, you know, even when we look like some of the, some of the meetings that I've been to have been about with the oil companies are diversifying their energy portfolio, right? So that they're getting into the other things that, yeah. that are, that are going to be uh, positive for, for everybody in, in mm -hmm. the long run in that way. And so I'm trying to be able to, what we call a just transition, right? So it's really important that we understand that people who are employed in these current status quo positions are not in danger of, of losing their jobs, like pipe fitters and these types of things. Like if we're going in, you know, all of these, so many of these skills are transferable into a greener reality. Um, so we try to be able to make sure that we make that point clear. But it's it's hard. Most of the time, you know, no, nobody's going to want to listen to you. I had a lot of doors slammed in my face. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, we get that regularly as comedians. I mean, that's... <laughs> when you, when, you, uh, when you go, like, campaigning and knocking on doors and stuff, do most people think you're Seth Rogen? Uh, no. Um, this... This is hey, I love you and super bad. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, Eric, what is your impression of uh, cancel culture at this point in time? Trudeau, conservative party. Is, right. Yeah, well, that was kind thoughts. of fun too. Was the fact that all of this happened literally three days before the brown face came out, and that would be four days before the black face came out. Oh. Right. And so I was treated by a completely different standard. Um, what, what the prime minister did was much more egregious than what I did, but of course, I guess it's going to be a lot more, you're not going to upset a sitting prime minister for, for something like that. So I guess I understand that. Wow. But you know, we've been talking politics enough. Can we get into some comedy or at least the political effects on comedy? Yeah. I would, I would love that more than anything. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm sure you guys, you guys have heard of John Cleese, right? A little troupe called uh, Monty Python back in the day. Yep. Absolutely. Right. So earlier this month, he took a bit of flack because, as they do, for attacking cancel culture. Um, I don't believe he's been canceled, though. I don't think you can call cancel John Cleese. But basically, his point was that um, uh, woke culture or cancel culture is ruining comedy. And um, so that, I guess, is the question that I have for the uh, for you guys: um, is, is is he is he right or is he being? Um, <laughs> Overly dramatic. Hey! Oh, that's like it's like somebody like just got in the driver's seat. <laughs> we got is commandeered. It, wait, is this is this the Brent and Patrick show or is it Eric? <laughs> show? Nice Eric Schulman show. This um, is the Green Party show. This is the Green Party show. No, man, we talked about this before. We definitely it's it's a scary time to be a comic. You wanna you wanna go up there and feel like you have this opportunity to say what you want and you know explore it's an exploration of limits really but nowadays it uh, 
especially if you are somebody who's like a professional or you know politician politician yeah. it's scary man you yeah generally i mean to be honest there's a lot of comedians who wish they were famous enough to get canceled right, right? <laughs> yeah. but most uh, you know the the sort of the, the circuit most people are so far under the radar Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't, they can say the, the raciest stuff you can imagine, but nobody's listening to them, that kind of thing. So yeah. I think the cancel culture um, sort of sort of epidemic affects those who are famous, those in the sort of the top tiers of comedy. Because it's, if you go on the scene, like GTA comedy bars and stuff, Tuesday at midnight, it's gross. Yeah. Like, I, I, I wish there was more canceling. Okay. <laughs> I feel like, I feel like somebody's going to have that tape recording. You know, right. if you do, if you do blow up and you said something, yeah, yeah. it's going to come yeah. back to haunt you 10 years later, 13 years later, just like, you know, yeah. like it did for Kevin Eric, so. Hart or whatever. Right. No, even yeah. for you, like as right. a politician. Yeah. Well, yeah. So, yeah. Um, it, it's funny. Um, uh, Doug Stanhope has actively been trying to get me to uh, since he found out about it. And he's even showed like pictures. You guys, of course, are familiar with Stanhope. Yeah, he's one of Joe Rogan's best friends. Right. <laughs> so he's um he's got a picture of himself with Sarah Silverman with his pants around his ankles. He's in a public place and he's holding his junk in his hand and he's got like pictures like that and the but I mean he's he's like beyond, right? I don't think he's yeah. getting canceled for very different reasons. I think I think attacking Doug Stanhope would be suicidal. <laughs> he, he would destroy you. <laughs> yeah. Well, if you if you keep the connection with him, maybe you could get on Joe Rogan and talk about your canceling. Yeah. It's it's true. Yeah. They're friends. So. Oh yeah, no, no, and they they and, and yeah, he well the closest thing, ironically, I don't know if it's ironic, but the closest thing that um, Stanhope ever got to being canceled was when he came out in favor of Johnny Depp saying that he was the one being abused in the current yeah. uh, 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 th- thing with, uh, with, with his wife, with uh, ex-wife there, Amber Heard. And in the yeah. meantime, he got in a lot of trouble for that. And actually, Joe Rogan got in trouble for that, for, for repeating what he had said and for, for believing Doug Stanhope. And um, uh, in the meantime, of course, it looks like what Doug Stanhope was saying was true. Oh. No, absolutely. It's just the temperature is so high these days. You know, I mean... Basically, erring on the side of caution and self-censorship, it's a very fine line, yeah. but, you know, it's, it's a minefield for, it's a minefield out there. Yeah. I don't know. My, my opinion is just go for it, do what you do, but, you know, I'm not nearly famous enough to get canceled, so I can yeah. say that. But, I mean, also just, yeah, just be careful who's recording you. Right, exactly. Yeah. Which is hard to do as well. Yeah. yeah. On the one hand, too, sometimes this type of thing can help. Right. Um, if you're familiar with uh, Nanesh Patel, so he was yeah, probably yeah. he was. I don't think he was a massive comic when he got booted off of a stage at Columbia University yeah. for making what was actually a very progressive joke. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, and and but but because of the attention that he got for that, and this is what's kind of funny, the irony in um, in communication studies, we call it the the Barbara Streisand effect, which yeah. is the idea of trying to ban somebody. The same thing happened to a- Action Bronson when he wanted to come up to Toronto. I'd never heard of the guy. I think he's an I think he's a hilarious musician, right? He's he's, he's like he's got you know. Right. Uh, 
he, he he's got some 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 questionable lyrics, but I mean it's hip hop, and that's what you do. And I'm not interested in thwarting your know artistic expression, however it comes out. But I had never heard of the heard of the guy until in a lot of like moral hubris that was going on when people were saying, "Yeah, we're keeping that guy out. Screw that misogynist." And it's like, oh, that's interesting. Now now I know who he is. Right. Yeah. Exactly. exactly. As Brent would say, any press is good press. Yeah. Indeed. Well. Yeah. Well, that was what was frustrating for me too, to get back to that was that when I went back to the party center and it's like, look, it wouldn't be too difficult to turn all this negative press into positive name recognition. I could probably steal this writing if you want to give it back to me. I had no interest. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think you're one of the things that John Cleese said though, was that there are no good woke jokes. Do you guys <laughs> got any? Uh, no, I got good jokes about woke people. Yeah. No. We love to roast the woke people themselves. What's a, what's a good woke joke? Boy, boy, those white men, eh? Cis <laughs> oh, people suck. Oh. What's a yeah. fucking woke joke? Yeah. You know? yeah. Anyway. I got one, but I think it might be actually more making fun of the wokeness than it is actually woke. But um, Go for it, me, man. Let me ask. Yeah. How many woke comedians does it take to change a light bulb? Many. One, and it's not funny. <laughs> there you go. That's pretty good. That's yeah. pretty good. Yeah. Uh, I was, but but it, it is it is an insidious type of thing that I really got the brunt end of um, when I was, you know, in the in the process of the the cancellation there, um, and. Where, where John Cleese's point is that these people are joyless and they've, they've lost the point in life in a lot of these types of cases. And it was, it was an article in the onion that I sent to a friend of mine who's actually quite the deconstructionist or post-structuralist or mm -hmm. critical theorist woke, if you like. And right. I sent him the onion and it was brilliant. The article was really well written. It was written by somebody who knows what he's doing. It's somebody who spent a lot of time in the humanities and social sciences. Mm -hmm where um, the title is Graduate Student Deconstructs Takeout Menu. <laughs> basically the idea that they're, like, they're so ideologically possessed that you can't even look at a Mexican menu without figuring out how it's racist or what systems of oppressions are involved and stuff like that. And it is like when you're stuck in those places, it's all encumbering, right? It's, you, you, it, it's a single lens by which all of this seems to be uh, the whole world seems to be interpreted, and it's it, it's pretty rough, and it's and yeah. it's scary. I don't know uh, when it's, it's going to end or how. It's a or... cycle. It'll it'll the pendulum will swing back, but these are cyclical. This is the same as the, it's this is the crucible that we're in right now. But right. Uh, I actually do have one now. I know Patrick is probably watching the clock, going shut up. But <laughs> I got a joke. It's not woke because there's nothing woke about me, but it fits within the woke narrative. Or at least it won't offend anybody. And it's, Go for it, it's, Brent. it's Go a bit of a thinker. So I think it? Eric will appreciate it. Okay. So there's a bar. And uh, sitting at the bar, there is a, a communist, a socialist, a capitalist, and a fascist sitting at the bar. So Barack Obama comes into the bar, sits down to have a drink. So the fascist goes, what a communist. The capitalist. <laughs> The capitalist goes, what a socialist. The socialist goes, what a capitalist. The communist goes, what a fascist. Trump walks in, they all say, what an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Thank you. 
Hey, hey, Trump's hey, my hey, favorite hey, comedian. Hey. I have to say, man, Trump's got to be everybody's favorite. He's the only guy that made a, a room full of people all speaking different languages laugh. Right. At the U.S.? You seen the, yeah. You seen that? Yeah. He's a great comedian. He's you not seem my favorite to be comedian. uniting the rest of the world in the acknowledgement of his assholeness while he's tearing his own country apart. Absolutely. He's, he, he has this favorite. unique ability to be fantastically divisive and incredibly uniting at the exact same time. The man well, is a walking contradiction. And that is not the platform of the Green Party. So, <laughs> uh, <No. laughs> thankfully. Thank you, Mr. Showman, for joining us on the program. Right on. Yes. Nice. It's my honor to be here. Yes. Yeah, that was what, what fun. A, what a great segment. You want to signal us off with a little Green sure. song? I, I'll try to get uh, Justin Trudeau on for you next time. Oh, please. Time. Um, please. Or at least Elizabeth. Like you guys are buds. Yeah, well, she actually answers my email, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> green, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm making this up. If I want to vote for a party that I like, it's green. Awesome. Unless you Thank don't you. like them anymore, then it's not green. <laughs>